Welcome to In The Loop, where we break down the complex world of battery manufacturing into bite-sized, understandable pieces. At Norfolk, we believe that batteries are the building blocks of our electric future. But how do they really work? From raw materials to innovative techniques to recycling, In The Loop is your backstage pass to the captivating journey batteries embark on before they power our world. Tune in, be curious, and we'll make sure to keep you in the loop. Good morning. I'm your host, Anna Lee, and in today's episode of In The Loop, I'm joined by Michael Ray. Welcome to the studio, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a nice, lovely Swedish winter. Yes, it got very cold today, which I'm not very excited about. Was it slippery walking over here? It's very slippery yeah. in Stockholm. It's actually worse than Vesteros, which I think is kind of crazy. I can't believe I've said this, but I'm talking to my friends sometimes, and we're already considering getting like the, you know, the little... Um, picks that you could put on your shoes oh yeah yeah yeah. Ice you picks. wrap them all the way around uh, exactly yeah, pretty, which is like I, I don't want to i don't want to be ageist or anything like that but like usually it is for elderly people sure, sure. but yeah now when it's this slippery i'm like i don't want to break my neck no I, I i sled my kids to school every morning because there's so much snow this winter and i love it they, they are super excited about you become that. a swede yeah that's right that's right <laughs> So today we'll be talking about battery cells. Yes. And I'm super excited because you work with the Internal Education, our Greenhouse Academy, which is basically all things battery, but also into R&D and so on. And uh, today you will basically be taking us through your battery one-on-one course, right. but sort of so, tailored for our podcast. Like a few others, I'm not technically on the Greenhouse team, but mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed uh, kind of putting some of my curriculum that I kind of developed over some years in the industry and helping them develop it into something much nicer. And mm -hmm. the engineers who are learning from it seem to really, really enjoy it. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm taking that kind of basic curriculum today and we're just going to talk through it and have a, a fun time. Mm -hmm. Ask any questions you have. Uh, it, if it's okay, we're going to treat you as a guinea pig. Yes. We're going to have you kind of learn as if I was in one of my classes. Yeah. And then uh, you just ask any questions you have, because I assume that the audience will care about exactly the same uh, yeah. same stuff. So, I mean, perfect. I know I know how overwhelming it is. I remember my first weeks and just trying to understand the process and even just battery cells was very, very overwhelming. And it's something you're just thrown into. Yeah. So I'm super excited to hear some things that maybe I haven't really been sort of educated in potentially right a lot of people get missed out on some of these kind of more general topics around uh -huh. battery cells even if they have been an engineer for a while mm -hmm. they tend to focus in a specific area so i like to get that broad overview first mm -hmm. um so actually one of the first things i always say is that people a few terminologies to get out of the way first uh is batteries right when we say batteries what is it we're actually talking about and uh the first thing is that you know, back in the 1800s uh, in in Europe, in the U.S., battery didn't mean what we think it means today. It meant anything that stored energy, right? So energy storage is kind of the more general topic. Uh, these days, battery means electrochemical energy storage, uh, but it didn't actually mean that before. And, the, and sometimes you'll get some great uh, journalists who like to kind of play on that old way of saying mm -hmm. the word. And they'll say, uh, you know, massive battery in the desert being built for something like that. That's not always what you think of as, as an electrochemical battery, the kind of thing we put in an EV or that we'd have in our cell phone or something like that. And I think it's good to have like a quick 
uh, discussion about the, the term battery and how it can be used in different contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also about the different types of energy storage, the other industries out there that are kind of uh, more or less competing with, with electrochemical batteries, battery cells, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, and how those kind of work together. Because that terminology gets very confusing and it really helps to kind of ground the discussion in my experience. Mm-hmm. So anyway, any questions you have, please stop well, me. Well, I mean, it's, it's fantastic because the, the context of Norfolk is also like we, we aren't battery manufacturers where battery cell manufacturers. That's right, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think it's good to kind of settle us where we sit in the yeah. industry as opposed to the rest of the uh, mm-hmm. everything that else is going on. So first of all, you know, energy storage is a is a broader topic and there are other technologies none of them really hold a candle to the current uh, state-of-the-art lithium-ion uh, electrochemical battery cells that are really being used for uh, energy storage or definitely not for EVs. Things like pumped hydroelectric or geothermal power, um, by the way, not geothermal power that you gather, but the part that you, you have to pump it into, a, into like a cave in the ground and then pull mm-hmm. it back out. They have some inherent uh, issues, right? Mostly because they have to be in particular geographic locations. And so you can't exactly make them mobile, right? Yeah. Uh, and in addition to that, there's a lot of efficiency losses. So even in those cases where you're not using any uh, oil and gas or anything like that, you still have a lot of loss of efficiency because you have to run a turbine twice, once to store the energy and then once again to get it back out again as electricity. Mm -hmm. And so this is the great benefit of electrochemical battery cells is that their efficiency is insanely high. uh, And that extreme efficiency, as well as the mobility and energy density that we can get on them, makes us able to do amazing things like EVs and electric planes and uh, just Mm -hmm. really, really cool technology. Technologies that we can't do with anything else today. Disclaimer, EVs are electric vehicles. Indeed. Yeah, thank you. That, again, yeah, thank you. Please stop me if I say stuff like that. Yes, EVs as electric vehicles mm-hmm. uh, and all the types of electric vehicles. And I think people sometimes forget, but there's great work going on in like electric boats mm-hmm. and, ve- and planes and stuff like that too. Yeah. Uh, and Northfold is actually a part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's really fun. So batteries. Uh, so when we what say is battery, a battery cell? Yeah, yeah, what's a battery cell? When we say battery today, we have uh, different, how to say, sizes or stages of a battery mm-hmm. that's being produced. If I open up the hood of an, of, of an EV or the, the trunk, depending on where it's, where it's located, you can maybe get to the battery, but that's going to be at what I would call a battery system, right? It's a lot of different batteries all built together into a com- comprehensive system that can be used with the software and hardware to actually run something, right? Um, and that's what people tend to think about, right? However, there's also other levels below that. So in order to build a battery system, you typically have to have battery modules and battery modules are built up of battery cells. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's kind of the academic term for a battery, which is a battery cell in academia usually means like one layer of an anode, one layer of a cathode and a separator. Now you don't know what those terms oh. are. We're going to cover that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about what they mean. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's really just for academics. But it's important because sometimes you'll get these great uh, news articles out there and they'll say something about a new breakthrough in battery cell technology. But what they're talking about is a very academic level cell, mm-hmm. something that hasn't yet been scaled to, yeah. s- to an industrial application. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to kind of have a feel for what's reasonably real out there as far as the technology because it's very exciting and a lot of Mm -hmm. people want to publish their great battery cell that can do a things. I actually had a conversation about this with someone at Kuberg was they Mm -hmm. were talking about when they were working in the lab Mm -hmm. and they were working on different battery cell technologies 
they were like, oh, yeah, we found some of the coolest, most efficient sort of technologies. That's right. But it's not scalable. That's exactly so right. Then... Super important. <laughs> and the great thing about the Kubrick stuff going yeah. on, not, not to you know distract from the main Northvolt uh, production stuff, mm -hmm. uh, but the Kubrick stuff is that it is a technology that is 100% scalable. Like mm -hmm. we can actually get that off the ground. Yeah. And that's what it, why it was such an intriguing investment and, mm -hmm. and opportunity for the Northvolt. And I'm really glad that we were the company that got to mm -hmm. got to take over. There was a lot looking, looking <laughs> yeah. to take them. Uh, so uh, really exciting stuff. Same thing to do with the, the recent announcement on sodium ion. Mm -hmm. Same thing. That is a, a, an actually scalable, actually mature mm -hmm. technology that can mature into something that is really going to uh, have a niche in, the, in yeah. the real world. So there's a academic side and then there's the industrial scalable side. Exactly. Of battery cells. Yeah. And then there's battery packs, mm -hmm. battery modules and battery systems. And they kind of all scale larger and larger mm -hmm. in size. Uh, so it's just important to say that, you know, for us who work in the industry, it's important mm -hmm. that we specify. In fact, we usually just don't say the word battery. We always say cell or yeah. module or mm -hmm. system, right? So anyway, good to know that there's other t competing technologies out there uh, and uh, pros and cons of all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, these days, for most applications, battery cells are definitely a contender, if not by far the best technology option mm -hmm. out there. Uh, really only c cost and uh, geographic availability sometimes beats it out, but mm -hmm. almost always it's battery cells, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which is great for us and a really exciting industry in general that's just exploding with excitement and so many cool things going on. But really quickly, let's distinguish lithium-ion battery cells from other technology mm -hmm. and batteries, right? So everyone will have known already about like the lead-acid batteries that you have in your vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. The starter battery yeah. for, for an ICE engine. These are the big heavy ones. Heavy. <laughs> yeah, uh, lead, right, is heavy, yeah. so that makes sense. Uh, but they're super cheap to produce and super reliable in mm -hmm. extreme weather conditions. Uh, and this can be very helpful for starting uh, an ICE engine because you need a really big punch yeah. in order to get that uh, engine started. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of where they've all, always sat. And prior to lithium ion, they were pretty much the the most mobile the large thing for yeah for for mobile applications like vehicles and yeah. stuff. And so you know your old golf carts and stuff like that, they were all running on lead acids. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, then there's nickel cadmium and nickel metal hydride. Pretty similar uh, chemistries there. They are. Old school, small scale electronics. So like uh, my my electric razor that I use in the mornings, although I didn't use it today, should would usually have been a nickel cadmium or a nickel metal hydride mm -hmm. battery back mm -hmm. uh, back when I was a teenager and my dad gave me his, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is um, definitely being taken over by lithium ion mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some interesting things so about like in this. So toys and stuff? Yeah, all that stuff. Have... Yeah, okay. it's all kind of being yeah. replaced. So they had like what we call a memory effect, right? Mm -hmm. So that if, well, as you charge and discharge, if you didn't fully discharge them or fully and fully mm -hmm. charge them, then they would kind of lose some of their ability to work. And you had to mm -hmm. use them regularly to avoid that happening even more. And so it, they didn't last as long as they maybe would have on the label, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, nickel is not exactly the, the cheapest thing in the world. Cadmium is definitely not. Uh, so it was a, a cost thing primarily, mm -hmm. but definitely the behavior was important as well. So they were a bit annoying. Uh, people talk about battery maintenance that they worry about a lot. Uh, people who have been through the yeah. nickel cadmium, nickel metal hydride stage. Uh, and so they assume that they have to do the same today, but mm -hmm. lithium ion batteries don't require that kind of maintenance. Yeah. It's just not a, not a thing anymore. And they don't really produce them at large scale mm -hmm. anymore. So it's not a big deal. Um, then there's alkaline, which is kind of like, uh, you know, your remote control for the TV and mm, uh, the little ones tiny RC cars. Yeah, the, the ones that can get really, really gross if you leave them in there for too yeah. long. Um, and uh, but, but extremely cheap 
really great energy density. Mm -hmm. The problem is these are primary cells, or in other words, they're not rechargeable. Yeah. And so obviously there's limited application but for But what's them. the so then I'm I'm wondering because there's a huge boom in like chargers for these batteries. Is that just sort of like a gimmick or are some of them actually chargeable? So the ones that look like alkaline cells, so oh, they, they, they look, look like, like double them. A's ah. or A's or triple yeah. A's, sometimes those are actually lithium metal mm -hmm. or other or lithium ion, actually. And so they're not actually alkaline. They okay. just happen to be packaged exactly yeah, they look the just same, like but <laughs> they say rechargeable, right? They're changing the chemistry on okay. you in order to make it uh -huh. rechargeable. Yeah. Uh, and they're more expensive, not just because of the rechargeable, but because of the fundamental chemistry mm, change. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really good question on that. <laughs> It's, it's kind of a tricky thing. Uh, so I've thought about that. I was like, if I have a wise. normal sort of cheap AA, AAA battery, I probably cannot use that charger that they're selling for a normal no, AA I mean, or AAA. I would could, have to but it read. Be safe, so yeah, don't do it. exactly. I would have to read the label that this is for a specific because exactly. they obviously need it's to disclaim that. Only for their rechargeable yeah. batteries, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, and the thing about be, be, even though they're comparable energy density, the fact that they can only be used once makes them a lot less uh, green, a lot mm -hmm. less capable of yeah. doing the job that we want them to yeah. do, and a lot of wasted uh, material and mm -hmm. energy going into them. So then lithium ion, of course, mm -hmm. right? So well, a little bit about the history, right? So in um, there's some definitely interesting academic stuff before that. But about 1991, uh, Sony kind of really pushed out to actually having a commercialized lithium ion cell, which is something that we all kind of knew was coming, mm -hmm. right? Because lithium, uh, if you look at the periodic table, is definitely one of our best options. Mm -hmm. uh, hydrogen's way too small. Uh, sodium's a lot bigger. Yeah. So lithium was like, we all knew that was going to be the battery that we wanted, right? Uh, because we have to be able to store that lithium ion and then get it back out again. And we're going to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that. But uh, So the breakthrough was in the 90s. But what was it that Sony then yeah, came out Yeah, so with? actually what happened is it was a bit of like a, people were trying lots of different things with lithium mm -hmm. to try to make it work out, right? Um, and it kind of was a bit of a fluke. I mean, they, they wouldn't say it that way, so maybe, you know. But uh, they tried graphite, yeah. and it didn't make sense. Um, how do I say theoretically? You, you wouldn't have assumed that it worked out very mm -hmm. well, but it turns out that it Provide, it creates what we call the solid electrolyte interphase layer. Mm -hmm. If you use a particular electrolyte with that graphite, then you can get lithium ion in and out with a, a reasonably large number of cycles, right? Yeah. Some hundreds uh, at the time, now mm -hmm. thousands, tens of thousands, if it, depending on what you're using the cell for. So that was the big break. And then it was consumer electronics from there on out, right? right. Small okay. scale, really expensive niche market. Um, and then for the next like 10 years or so, it was just consumer electronics. Panasonic uh, kind of jumped in there mm -hmm. and a couple of other companies like that. Um, and then in the early 2000s, that's when things started to really explode uh, in terms of just massive uh, amounts of production. Mm -hmm. the, the cost became cheaper than nickel cadmium, nickel metal hydride, these types of things. And so they really took over everything that they could that was yeah. small scale, so uh, mobile phones, et cetera. So chemistry yeah. to cheaper because it was just being Exactly. At the same time, everybody remembers mobile phones suddenly becoming a lot more available, mm -hmm. smartphones and stuff like yeah. that. That was exactly the same time timing, mm -hmm. right? That we were scaling this yeah. technology. Um, and then around that time, of course, everybody started thinking, well, what about vehicles, right? Can we... Mm -hmm 
can we make this a better option for the EVs that we would like, electric vehicles? People were developing chemistries all over the place. The pretty recent Nobel Prize went to a, a group of scientists who kind of came up with a mm -hmm. couple of these chemistries mm -hmm. that were really useful. Today, uh, high nickel, uh, nickel manganese cobalt oxide is one of those. That's the active material, which we'll discuss in just a second. And then LFP is the other one. And those mm -hmm. are kind of separating the industry into different categories, both of them super important, super yeah. great technologies that are really being uh, utilized super mm -hmm. well and uh, really great work uh, happening there. Today at, at Northvolt, we primarily focus on the NMC. For, we're looking at the higher range, higher performance And what vehicles. does NMC mean? Nickel, manganese, cobalt, oxide yes. is what it is. And uh, it's very much a kind of industry jargon to, mm -hmm. to, to say those uh, letters really it's quick. It's easier right? also. <laughs> exactly. It's easier, but it's also um, a bit of obscuring, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot more detail that goes into making these things. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, you had Merlin on here. Exactly. Before, he so if you really. That much better than I would. So please go back to that yeah. episode if you would like to learn more about yeah. what's going on with that. If you want to uh, learn more about cathodic material, then listen to, to his episode. Exactly. Yeah. I, I listened. It was really good. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So uh, we kind of covered a little bit of the history. Uh, things started exploding in back 2016 time, mm -hmm. so like that. We kind of had a big explosion in investing in these gigafactories and everybody yeah. wanted to scale production and get EVs off the ground and it's been crazy ever since. So a race. Uh, ever it's since. been a race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everybody jumping on and, and it's, a, it's a growth industry for mm -hmm. sure and it will continue to be so for a while. Uh, we're definitely nowhere close to providing the demand mm -hmm. uh, yet, but we're going to, Northvolt's doing our best to get there, right? Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. So let's zoom back all mm -hmm. the way back to the battery cell itself. Let's talk about each of the components that goes into a battery cell. Mm -hmm. Today, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Well, maybe briefly, we'll talk about the different size form factors yeah. uh, really quick, and then we'll talk about each of the components. Mm -hmm. So first of all, there's uh, three major form factors that we use that actually go into uh, a module or mm -hmm. system, and that's a pouch, mm -hmm. uh, cylindrical, and prismatic. And you may have heard of these. So People tend to argue about which one is best. <laughs> pouch sounds like a pouch. It is. Yeah, so it's, it's like a mylar soft. bag. Pouch is a, pouch is a mylar bag, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's maybe not actually mylar, but it kind of looks like mm -hmm. that. And the, the leads stick out and it's flexible, right? It's really soft, mm -hmm. exactly uh, like what you were saying. And then cylindrical is a cylinder, right? That one makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, no uh, edges, really. <laughs> pris prismatic doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, some lovely person decided, probably a marketing person of some kind, Mm -hmm. decided to call it a prismatic because it's a it's a rectangular prism even though oh. cylindrical is also a cylindrical prism so it's a very kind of a dumb name but it just means that it's a rectangle yeah. okay and it's usually means that it's a rigid rectangle mm -hmm. Back in the day, if you look at older articles, pouch and prismatic, they were both called prismatic. And now mm -hmm. prismatic just means the hard shell, the aluminum mm -hmm. can. Uh, so that's kind of how it is today. Yeah. But if you read older articles, you might get a little confused by these terms. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so pouch, cylindrical, and prismatic, we can produce all of these at Northvolt, uh, although uh, our kind of large volume production right now is prismatic based on what our customers are demanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's focus on that one uh, yeah. in terms of describing the components mm -hmm. and parts right? So first of all, how does a battery work? What is it trying to do, right? Yeah. The, the, the basic idea is that you take lithium ion from the cathode active material, which is where it kind of gets introduced to the cell. And then when you charge, you're kind of inviting those lithium ion cells to travel from the cathode active material into the anode. And then when you're done, you let go and they're supposed to stay there mm -hmm. until you're ready to get the energy back out. You plug in from one side to the other and the energy just naturally wants to go back to mm -hmm. the way it was, right? 
the way that I always describe this is if you have a quick image, I'm just going to draw here. You guys can't hear me, see my image, of course, <laughs> but I have to do it because I usually teach on a whiteboard. Yeah, uh, I'm a visual if, learner, so this yeah, helps. <laughs> that's good. So if I have here the cathode active material, and this is where the lithium ion sits, this mm -hmm. is its home, right? This is where it wants to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's yeah. where it's comfortable, right? Yeah. In chemistry, that's equilibrium, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's natural equilibrium is there on the cathode active material particle. So how do we get it to move, right? When it's, once it's happy, I mean, I know when I'm sitting on my couch watching Netflix, it can be difficult to get me off yeah. my, my butt. So uh, how are we going to do that? Well, it's it's if I'm living in Vesteros and uh, if you really want me to get somewhere, you're going to throw a really great party in Stockholm or mm -hmm. a concert or something really, really fun to go to, mm -hmm. right? So if we say we're throwing that party in Stockholm, this is going to be equivalent to us saying we're charging the cell. Yeah. We're going to throw energy in uh, by applying a voltage difference. Don't worry about what that is. It's mm -hmm. way too detailed right basically you know flooding that that area the anode side and shifting the the polarity that's really way too detailed sorry mm. about that with all the excitement right so yeah. it's, you've got to get that lithium ion up off the couch back through the neighborhood onto the train mm -hmm. all the way to stockholm back through that neighborhood and find it to where it's supposed to be at the concert or yeah. at the event right and so there's different stages there mm -hmm. first you have to get through the neighborhood that i live in in Vesteros, right that would be the cathode active material you got to get out of that area yeah um, and then through the separator that'd be taking the train right it's pretty fast to get through it but it does take some work mm -hmm. and then finally you get to the really tense dense neighborhoods here in stockholm that's the anode right mm. that's where you're going to try to find a place where you're, you're comfortable and cozy and the energy from that party is equivalent to the energy that you would use to light a light bulb right mm. you're going to use that to make money because you're running the concert yeah and uh in the real world you'd use it to run an engine mm -hmm. and so that's uh the, the story of charging a lithium-ion battery mm -hmm. cell and then discharging it again when the lithium-ion decides to go home mm -hmm. after the concert mm -hmm. right so it's the back and forth it's a great flow. analogy yeah it's, yeah it's well it's not a great analogy but it's an analogy uh but it's uh it, it, it's helpful to be able to think of it as tiny little lithium ions living at their mm -hmm. home, going somewhere else, coming back home. Now, it's Because that, that gives me more context yeah. to when I see an image of the sort of chemistry and in inside of a lithium ion battery mm -hmm. is you see all of these tiny components in different colors. And when you were just describing about going through sort of dense neighborhoods, you then see that they're sort of making their way through. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you have these really great SEM images or mm -hmm. microscope images, you can really see, oh, wow, that play area is really dense. Mm -hmm. This one is supposed to, it, it's pretty, actually pretty straightforward. Yeah. But it is a little bit like reality in that those lithium ions, they need to move wherever they're going to go. Mm. If they're going to have crowded areas and less crowded areas. And those uh, are going to determine the performance of the battery cell. Mm -hmm. How quickly can it get where it's supposed to go and come back mm. again without causing too much of a ruckus, right? Yeah. Am I going to am I gonna have a, the train break down on me mm -hmm. or am I going to miss my train or something like that? That actually is a really good analogy for the types of concerns we have with a battery cell. I was going to say, isn't that behaves. sort of the struggle in the industry is that you want the battery to be as efficient as possible, meaning that it needs to charge quickly and that it's actually like, you know, working more efficiently. Right. And we don't want it to uh, have high resistance is what mm -hmm. we call it. Or in other words, we don't want it to uh, have a hard time getting where it's supposed yeah. to go because that's going to generate heat mm -hmm. and heat starts weird reactions occurring. And we only want one reaction to occur, yeah. the planned one, which is the lithium attaching to the, the cathode active material mm -hmm. and detaching again and back and forth and yeah. back and forth. Uh, now, we do allow other reactions to occur, usually at the beginning of the life of a battery cell, but that has to happen in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. We call that formation and aging uh, in the production area. Um, I don't know if we want to get into the production steps today. Maybe 
no. that's a different episode. It's a different episode. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about the components. Yeah. So uh, first we talked cathodic material, which again, Merlin uh, episode, mm -hmm. really, really good one to, to look at. Uh, now, those uh, materials, the cathode active material and the anode, they have to have some way to get the the current or the electricity mm -hmm. in and out of the cell. So they're actually coated almost like a paint, right? Mm -hmm. That cathode is going to look like a black paint, very special black paint, <laughs> uh, really thinly coated on the surface of an aluminum foil, very similar mm -hmm. except fancier, of course, to the one that you would use in your kitchen when you're trying to cook, yeah. right? Uh, and then on the opposite side, anode is going to look very similar, except instead of aluminum foil, it's a copper foil. Mm -hmm. Still looks pretty similar, but the color is different to yeah. the one you use in your kitchen, right? Um, and so we kind of, we coat it on there and then we we cut them into particular shape, uh, weld them to to metal paths that lead outward to what we call the terminals, which is where you have the, you know, the little mm -hmm. plus sign and the little negative sign on the top of the mm -hmm. battery cell. And that tells you how to connect to it yeah. to build into your larger system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one question people often ask uh, is, why do we have to have a lot of these things, right? Yeah. Why is it necessary to have a bunch of different battery cells and not just a single one? Mm -hmm. Usually as, as soon as you get the explanation of how it works, you start to wonder, can't I just do a massive one? And, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a good question because I was thinking about that. If I have something bigger, it might require just a larger battery. But then if I have like a remote, for example, why do I sometimes need four different batteries? Exactly. Yeah. It feels very confusing, uh -huh. right? You're like, it's, a remote is a perfect example. You're yeah. like, this thing needs almost no energy. Yeah. Why does it always require at least two, yeah. right? What's, what is the <laughs> point of that, right? Who would in their right mind mm -hmm. plan for that? It seems very inefficient, right? Yeah. The reason for that is because the only way or how do I say this? The cathode active material defines the voltage of a cell. Right. And uh, for those who are less familiar with the electrical circuits and stuff like that, the voltage is kind of like uh, the push that you need to get things started, mm -hmm. right? And if you don't have enough of that initial push, uh, nothing's going to happen in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really matter how much energy you have if you can't overcome the the barriers to, to get things moving right. inside of your circuit, inside of your remote control mm -hmm. or something like that. Nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so this is key, right? The chemistry can tell us what the voltage will be. And if we just scale that chemistry without uh, kind of being able to add them externally to yeah. get the voltage up, then nothing will move. And mm -hmm. so this is why we have to have many, you know, hundreds of cells yeah. to go into a, a battery, uh, electric vehicle battery mm -hmm. in order to get the voltage high enough to move that that motor, right? right? That electric motor needs a high voltage in order to get going. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, for your, for your remote control at home, it just needs a little bit more than one alkaline cell can provide. Right. And there's nothing we can do about that that's inherent to yeah. the chemistry. So instead, we just plan on producing smaller ones exactly. and putting them together yeah. in, inside of the little spring. Because you also can't make an infinite amount of different types of batteries. You have to have one that sort of works for <laughs> right. most It's components. not super good for scalability <laughs> to have a different battery cell for every application, e exactly. right? That's <laughs> maybe a little crazy, right? But it's, it's also, I guess, worth mentioning that with a, an electric vehicle, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that uh, even for certain uh, cars, there could be different amounts of cells for the actual uh, module itself, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So y they can make their own decisions about the voltage that they need mm -hmm. based on the electric motor that they buy and mm -hmm. how they want to design their system. Yeah. And there's different things maybe we won't get into about how they make those choices because it's maybe a little too detailed for this. <laughs> uh, but really quickly, just to recap the parts and pieces mm -hmm. of a cell, and I think it was a little unclear, right? We talked about the anode, we talked about the cathode. It almost, almost makes it sound like there's just one of those in each of these cells, right. which is not quite true. 
it is true in an alkaline battery cell. If I was mm -hmm. to pull one of those apart, you have an outer ring that mm -hmm. is one of them and then an inner ring of material that's the second one and there's just one right. massive thing, right? Mm -hmm. But in a lithium ion cell or any good rechargeable cell, there's typically many, many layers of this stuff. And this is in order to be able to have that low resistance we were just talking about, to be able to get the power in and out really quickly. Mm -hmm. You want really thin layers that can behave very quickly in terms of the chemistry. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's actually what we call a jelly roll, which I think mm -hmm. is a very silly name. And it comes from, in the cylindrical cells, when you look at it, it looks a little like a Swiss roll uh, because you've yeah. taken a, an entire long length of, of coated uh, that coated aluminum foil and that coated copper foil. You're going to stack separator between those long lengths and then separator underneath again on, on all the way and then roll it all up mm -hmm. so that each anode side is separated from each cathode side. And you get many, many layers of cathode, separator, anode, anode, separator, cathode, yeah. cathode, separator, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Looks like a very dense pancake with layers. Exactly, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, to, to be able to produce these can be very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. You're essentially taking dirt off the street and trying to make it super pretty and clean. Yeah. Uh, and that can be very difficult. And then you want to stack them perfectly straight and mm -hmm. clean. And that's not exactly easy. And that's what makes this industry so exciting is because it's not an easy thing to produce. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people forget about that because for them, they just drive the car and it works perfectly, yeah. right? Uh, but at Northvolt, our challenge is to take that and scale it and make it really easy, solve the problems really quickly so that we get super high quality product, really, really good performing. And uh, it's, you know, it's harder to produce high performing product. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing. We're, we're aiming for high end uh, industry here, yeah. which means that we need to be able to have a high end product, mm -hmm. which means more difficulty in the manufacturing than it is for others. Mm -hmm. But I think we're definitely doing a great job so far. Uh, really so we're exciting kind of work. In that in between of obviously not have a chemistry that's too difficult to sort of scale. That's right. But we're in this kind of in between new way of sort of looking at how the battery should be made. And especially right. when we have an extra layer of recycling as well. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> so we have, we, we're pushing the boundaries on yeah. what this technology can do. Mm -hmm. And we're not the only ones, but we're definitely doing right at the, the yeah. front edge, leading mm -hmm. edge there. And we're doing amazing work with it. But yeah, we're not looking to do something like insanely difficult that mm -hmm. can't can't be scaled because we want to but it's we wanna, also not super simple right we, we want to what do you say make oil history right we want to <laughs> actually make this energy transition happen yeah and so we can't you know try to mm -hmm. scale something that can't be scaled we got to yeah. do something that's actually doable mm -hmm. but on the other hand we want it to be done in a, in a super exciting way that actually motivates people to, to make the switch mm -hmm. and to be really into it and so therefore we need to push our designs as yeah. tight as possible so that we can really have great performing product mm -hmm. for for our customers yeah well, so that's, awesome. That's it. That's my quick, uh, quick battery 101. Uh, so much more that I would love to to talk of about, course. of course. But I think today we'll just focus on the battery cell, the parts, yeah, yeah. And, and how does it fit in the whole "what is a battery" mm -hmm. question. Uh, anything else that you had questions on? Well, I was just thinking, and I don't think I had any more questions. I mean, I think the the analogies were so great, and I find it very difficult when you're just looking at sort of a an image of showing these different steps, for example. And it's super, I wouldn't say super technical, but even though I'm a visual learner, sometimes it's not really giving me the context that I need of like real world scenarios. Right. And yeah. it might sound dumb, but some people just need that to sort of 
put pieces together. It's much more useful yeah. Yeah, when you can tie it into your own life. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when it's about you watching yeah. Netflix and getting back in. I, I find <laughs> yeah. that it really helps people remember it, right? Back and, on the couch. Uh, it really is, it really is uh, that simple, mm. and yet it's not simple at all. Yeah. Right? It's uh, maybe oversimplified for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely oversimplified. But uh, for me, that really helps bring people up to mm -hmm. speed very quickly and you get a good intuition for what matters mm -hmm. in terms of how a battery cell should work. Yeah. So yeah, great. Awesome. Thanks so much. This yeah. was a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for going through this with me. Thank you for listening and I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Mm -hmm.